Hey, hey everyone. My name is Agnes Chen and this is a Rise Resilient podcast where we gather and connect so that all can rise resilient. All right, so for today's conversation, I had the privilege of chatting with Paula Audrey Rivero, who is a basket overflowing with sunshine. Paula is a fun, courageous, energetic, feisty person who loves life. She brings her zest for life to her collaboration with children, families, and schools by sharing her awesome. Paula has a master's degree in social work with a clinical specialization and is registered with the Alberta College of Social Work. She is also a certified trauma specialist with the National Institute for Trauma and Loss in Children. Her experience connecting with traumatized youth in Alberta and with children living with trauma around the world have allowed Paula to share the power of love, connection, and play in healing trauma and building resilience. She has co-authored the international selling book, My Name is Trauma, which we talk about today, which is an illustrated children's book that creates an opportunity to learn about trauma in a way that is not only educational, but also playful and imaginative. The driving force behind her practice is the belief that everyone has talents and strengths that make them awesome and that everyone's awesome is worth celebrating. Gosh, thank you. Oh my goodness. No problem. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm pretty oh. pumped. Oh, thank um, you. I, yeah. I I actually just feel really on, honored and, and happy that you asked me. I'm super excited to connect and share a little bit more about yeah. our work. Yeah, totally. And so I found you obviously through social media. Yeah. The, the great connector. Yes. Disconnector. Yes. But, yeah, but you, um, your book is amazing. And I initially wanted to just reach out and chat with you because it sounds mm-hmm. like you're doing really awesome stuff. So if, you know, to start essentially your book, my name yeah. is kind of, kind of says it all. And even just the half yeah. that you use train your tiger mm-hmm. um, is really brilliant. And Thank so you. perhaps I, I know you have sort of a background yeah. um, as a, certified trauma specialist I know that it sounds like you've traveled um doing kind of trauma work um and education and then you have this book so maybe before we dive into the book can you tell me a little bit about yourself and just sort of this journey that seems pretty incredible to where you are today yeah well I mean there can be a lot to it and it can be very simple but I guess where I could start is maybe where the idea for the book came from because it was actually um like pretty spontaneous and organic and it was actually Early 2013, I was completing my final placement on a child and adolescent psychiatric ward, and I was preparing for a session with a young girl whose history included, you know, many ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and who had severe suicidal ideation. So trauma was definitely on the radar. Um, We were working through an eight-week structured sensory-based program. And I guess in one of my ses- my session sentences were, <laughs> were telling me that I'm just going to call her Kate. Um, we're just telling me that Kate was internalizing the negative reactions that she that she was having because of the trauma experiences. So this was causing her to feel badly about her character and she was withdrawing from other people. So I could really see that she was seeing herself as a bad person, you know, rather than a hurting individual. And so I believe like she needed to hear in a way that wasn't so direct um, that trauma didn't define her, but it was really only a part of her life. And so I immediately kind of looked around and thought, how can I explain this by externalizing it and introduce trauma in a way that doesn't feel so like inside of her? And so I looked to the side and I had this little trauma tiger figurine (laughs) 
conveniently there for me. Wow. <laughs> I had it. And so I pulled it up and, and then I started to explain to Kate that, you know, trauma, the tiger is often misunderstood. Um, he can be sensed in the body. He can be experienced by everyone. Uh, usually it's a, he's asleep and people don't often notice him. Uh, but can wake up when you experience something that makes you feel afraid, powerless, and unsafe. The things that wake him up are different for everyone, and so on. And, and I got to the point where I further explained that, you know, life isn't always easy when trauma tiger is awake. Um, and I got into the part that, you know, you're resilient, your body is an amazing thing, and it has the ability to heal. And over time, trauma the tiger could relax and be tamed back to sleep. So I shared this whole narrative that kind of organically came and probably not in those, those words exactly, but, right, but, but yeah, but there was something way. there and, and I looked at Kate and I, again, I, you never know the impact necessarily, but I looked at this young girl and I saw a shift, you know, her body straightened up. A smile came over her face. Maybe she thought I was funny looking. Or <laughs> this whole thing was, was hilarious. But her eyes were drawn onto trauma, the tiger. And so regardless of necessarily what the impact was, I guess, I left the session with Kate feeling super inspired. Uh, inspired to do more with this, with, I guess, this narrative, this story, this description of trauma, the tiger. And so I went home, I guess, excited and like mm. wanting to share with my husband that I have this idea and together him and I refined it, restructured things, did some rewording. And my name is trauma was, was born. My name is trauma. I am misunderstood. I can be sensed in the body and can be experienced by everyone. I am usually asleep, so people don't often notice me. I wake up when you experience something that makes you feel afraid, powerless, and unsafe. The things that wake me up are different for everyone. When I am awake, I stay feisty and alert because I am trying to protect you. I can increase your heart rate unexpectedly. I can make you feel anxious. I often affect your memory. And I can make it hard for you to be at your best. This can be confusing for you and those around you. Life may not be easy when I am awake. But you are resilient. Your body is an amazing thing that has the ability to heal. Over time, I can relax and be tamed. I am trauma. And you are a survivor. to lean in on mm -hmm. all this stuff that you're doing with you know uh trauma the tiger mm -hmm. so what I really love about it one you kind of go through um the emotions that somebody might sense in their body the behaviors they might see um and then you kind of you do talk about the resilience factors mm -hmm. one of the things I noticed um on your website you talk a lot about trauma versus behavior yeah and I think that that is, you know, even <laughs> with the book, it's, it is like, and I don't want to use label as, you know, you know, mm -hmm. use disorders as a label, but sometimes we kind of forget about just um, that individual in front of us and what they're actually, what's going on in their body when we have yeah. those disorders. So can you explain sort of how that plays in the work that you do and even in creating this book? Yes. I think, thank you for asking that because I feel like um, understanding the difference between behaviors and trauma was kind of the biggest piece to me pursuing the direction of trauma-informed care. So I was initially introduced to the subject of trauma in 2011, and it was during my Master of Social Work program. It was my first placement, eager student, excited. And up until this placement, I actually knew very little, if anything, 
about trauma <laughs> and what it meant to be traumatized. I'm not even sure I really knew what that word was. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but it did not take long before I became immersed in this area of practice that it completely captivated my curiosity. Um, I was intrigued, I guess, not only by the impact of trauma on a child's developing brain, uh, but also the reactions and impact that can be experienced as a result of trauma. So I guess mo most importantly, I was concerned with what this meant in the life of a traumatized ch child. Mm -hmm. um, up to this point, the work that my husband and I were doing with our practice key creative was mostly focused on treating behaviors and using a behavior lens, implementing more cognitive type behaviors like positive parenting strategies. And I realized that the behaviors are just that tip of the iceberg, that awesome analogy, just, mm -hmm. just that tip that they're what you see. But the problem is that the treatment and intervention strategies used to treat problematic behaviors are often just purely cognitive. They serve to treat or modify the behavior. And what we, I was learning and what we know and what the research shows is that that's not, an that's not effective for treating trauma in isolation and helping children heal. You know, it then gets into that there's this whole chunk of ice submerged underwater, life experiences, mm -hmm. emotions, thoughts, beliefs that impact who we are, what we do, how we do it, that needs to be recognized. Um, and what we know trauma is experienced on a sensory level. It's the body that remembers. Um, I was learning that the most effective way to help heal trauma is through the body using creative interventions, sensory based activities. And so the good news was, <laughs> was that there were many and there are many, you know, accredited programs that can help children heal following, you know, traumatic experiences. So really, there was no reason why traumatized children should not be receiving trauma informed care. And so I was fascinated with this topic and what I was learning. And I knew that awareness needed to be one of the number one goals that I wanted to pursue. And I started to share this knowledge with my husband. And from there, we became sponges. Um, we knew that trauma-informed care needed, had to become part of our work. Um, and so that summer, yeah, we flew out to Detroit, Michigan, and we received training and certification as trauma practitioners with um, the National Institute for Trauma and Loss in Children. They're an awesome organization, one of one of many really great trauma-informed organizations that provides provides training. This one's led by Kaylin Soma. And who also has very, who very kindly, so grateful to her, provided an endorsement for our book. So I felt really honored about Amazing. that. Yeah. And so then for the rest of my social work program, my final project, my master's, our work with Key Creative, our work in the Philippines has been focused on trauma because it's not just about behaviors. There's a lot more to a person. One thing I always say when I, when I do a presentation, a training, a workshop is you may think you know me based on what you see, but there's a lot more to me that you may not know or don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we have absolutely. to dig deeper. We have to dig deeper to understand children so that mm -hmm. they can get the best and and the right, the right care, the right, the right treatment, the right intervention, the right connection. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I just, um, yeah, I, there's so many thoughts that I have when you say that, you know, I, it's, 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 you know, so, but actually before I go into that, um, yeah. on that same note, so as you're talking about, you know, there's so much more. And like you said, we only see the tip of the iceberg. So when yeah. you talk about um, internalizing, you know, taking those internalized feeling emotions, um, and all that that goes with it, and allowing somebody to externalize it and then, you know, really to start to heal from their trauma. What does that look like for from your context? Well, I think it's starting to really get to know the person as a whole and not just not just the trauma experiences, right? And so for me, it's like building that relationship. It's starting to get the know to know the person on a deeper level. What do they love to do? Uh, what's in their spirit? What gives them meaning? 
and finding ways that we can connect just as people. And I think when we start to do that, we start to really uncover more about the person. We start to see the strengths, the talents, the skills that make them awesome. And I think when we're able to do that, we can start to shift a lens to look at things that are more empowering, more invigorating, things that can build our self-esteem and our confidence. And so then, although trauma is still a part of the life and that experience should be honored in its way and there needs to be healing, we also have a whole other part that we can also integrate. So then we're starting to reframe, you know, our own stories about ourselves and, and hopefully recreating stories of hope recreating stories of resilience so that we can build confidence, self-esteem, love for ourselves. And so I think like externalizing, going back to maybe that point, is that we often like internalize a lot of bad things and bad emotions. And we start to, I, I said it earlier, we think we're bad people. We're not good enough. We're not worthy. When in reality, we are good people and there are lots of things outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves that make us awesome people. It's, un it's the uncovering, it's the discovering, it's the being given the opportunity to find and explore that piece of ourselves that we may not see. Oh, just Paula. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so beautiful. And just hit, you know, I, you know, as a nurse in all that mm -hmm. I do and, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, um, you know, what drove me in terms of, you know, everything that I do is really my personal experiences growing up. So everything you talk about, those feelings of not being, in, you know, adequate enough, you mm -hmm. know, you're not worth it, you're not good enough. You grow up with those thoughts and feelings, yeah. you know, because it, of the environment that you were in, not, nothing that, you know, the child does. But when mm -hmm. you don't have that support and that understanding, you grow up into an adult and none of those thoughts really shift if you're not supported to do that. So yes. hearing the work that you do, um, I just think is so powerful. And even, you know, as a healthcare professional working in hospitals, we need this information just, yes. oh, just penetrating the roots of everything, yes. <laughs> everything that we do. Oh, so just, yeah, I love that. Thank I think you, it's Agnes. brilliant. You know, you really, like you said, you honor kind of the experiences. You talk about the behaviors and the thoughts, mm -hmm. and then you really focus on the hope and resilience. Yes. So for me, this book isn't just for kids. So can you yeah. tell a little bit about how you're using yeah. this book in your work? So um, I, I'm going to go back a little bit with that. Um, so I, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. I think, so we first got it printed into late 2013. And the reason we got it printed is because we were going back to the Philippines um, to collaborate with Streetlight, that organization that works with children living on the streets. And this time we we wanted to bring trauma-informed care because again, we were doing lots of self-expression physical activity programs, but we weren't educating as to maybe the why or the what or the how. And so this time we had the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we got it printed in English and in Walai, which is the a, Taga uh, a Philippine dialect. And we brought it over there and we we started to implement trauma-informed training for the community. Um, and so what we really wanted to, again, advocate or bring awareness as to what we've been talking about is that trauma symptoms have similar features to behavior disorders. Um, and so, for example, when a trauma is when trauma is re-experienced uh, or triggered, a child may react angrily or defiantly, as well as with fear and anxiety. So what may seem as like oppositional or defiant may actually be a result of trauma's emotional numbing or social detachment or hypervigilance. So we we knew it was critical to consider the other way of looking at these at these behaviors. So going back um, into so in two thousand November two thousand thirteen, um, Streetlight, which is located in Tacloban Leyte, was hit by Super Typhoon Yolanda. And so just to give, again, we were there in October, a month doing trauma-informed training. A month later, we had left maybe a week before this. Uh, this typhoon 
hits the community and the orphanage that we work with. And it completely devastated the community. Um, Streetlight was in ruins and the children and families were displaced. Um, and so it was, it was a pretty, I mean, I think from our perspective, traumatic uh, thing that was going on there. And so um, this is all, I should also note, this is all actually documented and shared in a feature film uh, called Balak Bayan from Victim to Survivor that my husband produced and co-directed. It was actually premiered this year at the Compassion Film Festival um, and at the Edmonton International Film Festival a couple weeks ago. And the film actually shows the past 13 years of our work. Um, Amazing. The, yeah, the collaborations, the relationships and the evolution of our pro programs uh, as, and specifically the trauma work that we've been doing. So um, that's out there now, which is super cool to see. Uh, but Amazing. Going, yeah, thank you. And so going back, though, so a couple months following the typhoon, we were asked to come back and implement trauma-informed workshops, like group therapy with the kids and staff of Streetlight. And so what we realized with this book, with the group that we were bringing back and, and when we were sharing it with people is that all ages were relating. <laughs> like you said, mm -hmm. it wasn't just for kids. I actually feel like the people that I've heard the best, the, the not the best, that I've heard feedback from have been adults who have said, right. wow, this totally just validated how I'm feeling and what's going on. And to, as someone who wrote this book and it came organically, spontaneously, and we just thought, you know, let's self-publish, let's put it out there to hear that it's been, it's given people validation. It's given people hope. It's created resilience has been the most amazing thing. Uh, I've, I just feel very humbled about that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not just for children. I think it's also for adults. And I'll be honest, like, I'm a, I'm a simple, simple girl. And my simple girl way of doing and thinking, I think, served this topic because it is a complicated topic. It can be hard to understand. And so I think like having a very playful, simple way that people can relate to, um, has been a really positive thing and has connected with people. So yeah, it, really, really for all ages. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I know you have the video and the, you know, we'll, we'll chat more about how to get the book and access to all the other uh, videos that you have, but yeah. So I, you know, one thing as you're talking, just incredible work, Paula, Thank I just you. am so excited to mm -hmm. learn more and hear more and chat more about this, you know, um, as I get to know you here, but can you, you yes. know, here in, Cal here in, I, I'm in Calgary, yes. Edmonton. Yes. I'm a born and raised Edmontonian as well. Awesome. So, <laughs> so, you know, in a lot of the work that I do, so I would do, you know, little sessions and it's actually, I would do it with uh, kids and families really to more grow kind of this social under social support that, you know, we can create together by just simply being present, you know, showing mm. compassion, empathy to others. Mm. So in a lot of the conversations that I have here in Calgary, you know, in Canada, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes the assumption is trauma doesn't exist here. It's not as bad here mm. as it is elsewhere. <laughs> and I imagine seeing sort of the two mm. sides, you know, seeing, you know, the environmental, devastating environmental effects on an orphanage yeah. is huge, you know, a yeah. traumatizing experience. Um, but, you know, the idea of trauma existing within our communities, within our own homes is still very foreign yeah. to a lot of people. Um, and understanding that, can you, do you have anything that, you know, can you speak to that a little bit and how people can really start to understand trauma, you know, make it a little bit more relatable to the people that are right in front of them and not even trauma, because I don't think, you know, the idea is not for people to label and judge and say, oh, you've been traumatized. Yeah. How can we just really take the information, you know, from your book of what we know about trauma and use that to really be better at supporting the people right in front of us? Yeah, I think that, thank you for asking that. I think that's a, a really important question to think about. Um, I think something that we say in the book almost immediately is that um, trauma is experienced by everyone. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, uh, 
you know, what socioeconomic status you, status you are, what race, we all can experience trauma. And it's, here's the other key that I think is really important in the message is that it's different for everyone. And what may be traumatizing to one person may not be traumatizing to another, but it's not for us to judge. <laughs> it's not for us to determine its impact because it impacts everyone differently. And so um, I think one of the differences I've seen or what I've tried to do in seeing the differences between like the Philippines and them going through like these natural disasters and, and the poverty that we've seen compared to Canada where I don't necessarily see that same degree or we don't see the same type of natural disasters is that it's not about one being worse. It's just different. And so I think acknowledging that is that it's different and that one person's trauma can be just as impactful as another one's. And it doesn't matter what that experience is. It can still be traumatizing. Our brain can still react in the same way in that fight, flight, or fright as someone else's. And the experience can be totally different. Does that make sense? I think oh, that's absolutely. so important, like not to compare experiences and honoring everyone's experiences for what they are to that person. Mm -hmm. No, I, you explained it beautifully. Okay. I, yeah, thank you. That is, you know, that's definitely something as we're trying to build sort of this trauma awareness within our communities and really even at a policy level, mm -hmm. it's really pulling those pieces and understanding, you know, how trauma actually impacts the brain and body, mm -hmm. not just, you know, in comparison mm -hmm. to another person, just simply the impact it has on someone's brain and body yes. at that. So I think that's, yes. that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're that. welcome. Yeah. I think how you so, just summed that up. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pulling from you here. I'm good. It's all good. <laughs> so I love, so what I really love about everything that you're doing and really when I, um, you know, I saw, I saw the book and I just think it's brilliant. And I think it really should be in every, um, in every hospital, in every, mm. you know, we have all these courses that we can take and learn, mm -hmm. but it is, like you said, it's very overwhelming and complicated and mm -hmm. it, I, it can, it can put people into boxes still. Mm -hmm. And this book really just focuses on what someone's going to feel, which we can all relate to. Yeah. And I think that that is huge. And then you take it and you really, you know, it, it, it feels really strength-based mm -hmm. and it really feels that it focuses that we do have this resilience that we can build from and, um, and, and still, you know, live with hope. Mm. Um, the thing that, um, what was the one thing that I saw that I, oh, this is what you have on your website. You say, let's view children mm. with a loving and empathetic lens so that they can learn to do this too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just that in itself, I love oh, and I, goodness. you know, where does can I ask where does the heart of all of this come from? Like, where, oh. where did this drive and this determination and this because to say this, you know, um, and by no means am I expecting you to share any personal I just mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, to hear these words you know, especially, you know, when I think about the home that I grew up in, I think about my clients where they grew up in and, and really feeling and trying to understand where people are coming from. Mm. Like this just captures it so beautifully. So where does mm. this drive um, to push for this, you know, to really just let's get back to just the love and empathy that we need mm. every single child to have? Where does that stem from in you? Mm. Oh, that, that kind of that moves me just that whole how you how you said that and, and what you're asking um, kind of moves me to tears because um, I feel in if I'm being completely honest, in some ways, I feel like um, an uncertainty. <laughs> In response to that question, and in another way, when I think I dig a little deeper and I think about it, I think it comes, I, I think it comes from my privilege. <laughs> and I think it comes, and I grew up in what I saw and what I experienced as a fairly happy childhood. I think what I started to learn as I grew up is that not everyone was experiencing things the same way I was. And that um, there was actually a lot of pain that people were experiencing. And 
for whatever reason, <laughs> I, I felt for that. I felt that, you know, how could I have all this happiness and joy and this other person be struggling and be in so much pain? It, I guess it just, I guess it didn't seem fair. <laughs> and I feel like my heart has always just felt like um, we all deserve love, connection, and belonging. Like we are all human beings worthy of that. And just because someone's color of skin or uh, amount of money they have, like sometimes society says that makes us better than, I've just never believed that. I believe that we all serve a purpose in this world. And I guess it comes, frankly, <laughs> from my spirituality and my faith and just my my innate feeling that we all deserve that. And so I think going through life and starting to hear more people's stories and being open to hearing people's stories and being willing to dig deeper um, has given me the desire and the want to be to have compassion and empathy. I think that we can't move forward as people or individuals if if we don't <laughs> as a society, if we don't connect with people, we we need each other and we deserve to to all be connected. Um and so I think like, and then going into my, so I, so I didn't know what that was <laughs> exactly. Right. Like how I'm putting it in into words now. You know, I just, <laughs> it, before you go on, I just think that I'm honestly sitting here just with my mouth open. Oh. And I just think, you know, I know you said it kind of moved you to tears and, you know, I just think that is so beautiful, mm. Paula, because honestly, like heart to heart here, it is you know, to be able to take your positive experiences and use it to see how you can improve somebody else's life. Mm. Oh my goodness. Like, oh, I thank just you. think that is just so beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. I just, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I, I'm sorry for no. interrupting. Continue. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that because I think sometimes I'll be, again, I'll be, I guess, just honest with you as you sometimes I feel like, who am I <laughs> like to, you know, to, to say this or that, or to understand or to empathize. But here's the thing about empathy. You, and you said it a little bit earlier, you don't have to experience the same thing. I, but I know how to feel, you know, I have felt pain, you know, I have felt sadness, I have felt joy, I have felt um, suffering, maybe not in the same way, but again, it's not about comparing. So I've started, I think, to, to honor my story and my life um, for the pains and struggles and joys that I've had and found ways to empathize and relate them with other people and knowing that we don't all have to be the same. We're not all supposed to be the same, right? Like we Absolutely. need differences and our company, uh, Key Creative, like the whole vision is to create your awesome, that we all have strengths and talents that make us amazing, surprising, powerful, and beautiful. And that's what makes the world bright and that's what makes i think the world a, a good place to live worth celebrating is those differences um, yeah. yeah beautiful i just think all of that is exactly you know just you 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 nailed it when you said you know we're not we don't have the same experience even the idea of empathy understanding how you know another's experiences and feelings mm -hmm. we might not ever fully mm -hmm. understand it but the idea of trying and knowing what it feels yeah. like for you and just using that mm -hmm. to better understand and listen is mm -hmm. so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, oh my goodness. So can you tell mm. us, like, can you share, how does one get connected? How are you, the work that you're doing in community? So you are, there's a few avenues that you work through and it sounds like you do presentations. How yeah. does someone get connected to you? And what does that look like when they do connect with yeah. you? So I feel, uh, like the base of our work comes through Key Creative. I've mentioned them a couple times. Founded by my husband, him and I uh, both lead lead the organization. We have um, eighteen other amazing therapist clinicians on the team. We travel all over Alberta, and so Key Creative kind of becomes the hub for our work. 
uh, whether it's the My Name is Trauma work or it's the work that relates more to children, families, and schools living with special needs. And specifically, we work a lot with children living with autism um, and just, just different learning challenges. And so through Key Creative, we, we are here based in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, and we travel all around the province sharing, sharing our, I guess, our work and, um, and working with families all over. So that's through Key Creative. My Name is Trauma is one of our professional development programs. And so what we do with that is that it could be a one-on-one -on -one clinical um, experience, but you could also, we also do training workshops where we're building awareness um, about trauma, you know, and we also do group therapy. So we've done a lot of that over in the Philippines. And so the Philippines project is Bullock Bayan and it's more philanthropic. So we do basically the work we do here in Edmonton through Key Creative, we've brought to the Philippines and um, we do it there in collaboration with, with Streetlight Philippines. Amazing. Is there a way to support that organization or support you like to support the work that you do? Yeah. There? Well, you know, we've <laughs> yes and no. I mean, we don't, if you mean by like donation, we don't necessarily yeah, have yeah. gone that route. Like it's all sort of just been a self um, funded, let's say project. Uh, and in terms of being a part of it, yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what Amazing. I mean by that is that so I've been seven times to the Philippines doing this work and connecting with Streetlight and the children. They're our family now. And um there it's an amazing, amazing people. And so every year has been a little bit different in terms of exactly what we've done and how we've done it, but also in terms of who comes with us. And so the Bullock Bayan project is all about returning with service. So you don't have to necessarily have any type of special expertise or knowledge or thing that you're bringing. It's just about bringing yourself and and being willing to share your heart and your love with the community. And so anyone is always welcome to join um, and be a part of that. And that would stem through our Key Creative. So you could always go to keycreative.com and under our projects, uh, Bullock Bayan is one of the projects and it has its own website as well, bullockbayanproject.com, um, where you can learn more about the project specifically and getting involved. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, gosh, Kay, so many good things. So many good nuggets here. You. you know, the one thing that I, I meant to ask earlier, and this ties into sort of the work that you're doing. So when you work in, um, uh, when somebody signs with you or your husband and you have these 18 therapists, mm -hmm. what sort of work are you doing? And I, and I was reading, you know, it is play-based and it is really, yeah. getting, you know, getting creative. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more about that and how you use creativity yeah. um, to help children heal? Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, key creative, the whole mission is creating meaningful learning with children, families, and schools living with special needs and celebrating their strengths and talents that make them awesome. So the creating and celebrating become like the two key components of our work. We also then include a coaching aspect and a collaboration aspect. So we call it our 4C approach. So we're occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, physical therapists. We're a multidisciplinary team that comes in to support whatever challenge your child or teenager or adolescent may be facing. And we say, how can we collaborate, create, coach, and ultimately celebrate your child. So we're not going in into anyone's home or community to fix anything. We're going in to say, where are you at and how can we work on celebrating the, the strengths and talents you do have and overcoming those challenges by using your strengths and talents. So, um, like I said, there's obviously o an OT lens. There's an SLP lens that focuses on the communication, socialization, OT lens is really looking at meaning and purpose and finding a way to adapt 
uh, to overcome challenges. Uh, the physical therapy is more of that physical movement aspect of things. Um, I'm a registered social worker. So, you know, I bring a holistic, systemic sort of view to our work. And then, of course, our trauma-informed lens, which really does focus on that play, that movement, that connection, creating a safe place. Um, we believe that meaningful learning means that we want to engage in activities that are fun, that are meaningful to that person so that ultimately you, the th you don't even realize you're receiving therapy because you're just having fun in what you're doing, <laughs> right? And so totally. and you're having fun you know, it's much easier to learn. Your brain opens up these these pathways for learning uh, in a much different way than if you weren't engaged or weren't interested, right? And so play really has been at the heart of, of our work, creativity. Creativity, I find like, yes, it can be in terms of thinking of creative like resources or um, games, but it's also just a way of thinking, you know, a creative way of thinking about things differently, a change in perspective. And a lot of times what we do is we're just shifting a perspective of whether it's like a bad kid versus a hurting individual, you know, someone who needs to be fixed versus someone who maybe just needs something adapted. Right. So uh, um, I just think when you said you, you come in to celebrate a person's yeah, child, I think that you, that definition of being celebrated mm -hmm. and shifting those perspectives is huge, not only for a parent, yes. but for a child to hear because we're not, we're all human and we sometimes think our kids are yeah. bad kids and just reframing it and really yes. celebrating them is thank amazing, you. Paula. Just keep, keep go thank ahead. You. Continue, well, and, and no, and, and thank you for acknowledging that because I mean, there's, there's other service providers like us and people who do what we do and they're all amazing in their own ways. But if we were going to look at one way that we do it different is we really, we really pay attention to that celebration piece and, you know, talking with different colleagues over the years, um, I've felt so proud of our organization when they say to me, you know, I love that I get to go in there and, you know, highlight the successes because, you know, that family or that person has focused so much on what's gone wrong that that shift has just created a space for hope and resilience that maybe they didn't even know was there or could be possible. And so, yeah, that celebration piece really, really becomes really important. I think this is where, like, the work that we do with the trauma specifically, I think the play, the movement, the connection, the safety that I, I alluded to a little earlier, as well as, like, validating and normalizing those actions and reactions are really key to the trauma-informed care that's provided. And, um, and that education piece, and this is where the book is really helpful, because I think helping people understand what's happening in their bodies and within their brain helping them understand that those are normal is a, a really important piece. So uh, play is usually at the heart of that work. Um, the more, and, and this is what I, I often say and that we really focus on is the more we're able to laugh and play, the more people feel safe and comfortable to explore the trauma or their challenges. So, um, you know, big laughs, can help bring on big tears and we need both. <laughs> totally. I, what I really love is what I'm hearing is you go into, you meet somebody yeah. where they're at, like you meet them in yes. their space. So I just think all of it, the idea that you really live this truth of meeting somebody where yes. they're at and wanting to celebrate them is so beautiful. Paula. I just think it's incredible. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of trauma and how trauma might present in somebody's body and mm. then using play and creativity as an outlet uh, to allow someone to kind of move through those um, emotions and that process, what might somebody see in themselves yeah. or see in another to, to really start to recognize yeah. this, you know, in themselves? Because I know for me moving forward, I didn't find out about trauma. Mm. That word, you know, you said you didn't know about trauma when you went into yeah. social work. I didn't know about what trauma was when I went into nursing. And the thing is, I lived in a home that would technically be considered traumatizing. I had no mm -hmm. idea mm -hmm. <laughs> about this, right? So you never know this. And 
learning about what trauma was, Mm -hmm. reframing it instead of pushing that idea of, I, well, no, that doesn't happen to me. That happens to those people Mm -hmm. was really powerful Mm -hmm. and, um, and empowering and really allowed me to sort of move forward. So there's this idea of supporting others in their experiences, but what can somebody recognize in their, in themselves Mm. that might be experiencing that might have experienced. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you for asking that. Um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind with that question is, is that all is acknowledging first that all experiences change the brain, all of them. (laughs) So whether they're good or bad, they all change the brain with traumatic experiences. They can really alter the brain and they can really change the way we then behave. Um, and act and see the world because our fight, flight, or fright, that amygdala is radar is continuously on. So when you become traumatized, it doesn't shut off. <laughs> so even if you, you may, someone may perceive you're in a safe place, you may not feel like you're safe. Um, and so what we start to see are these reactions or behaviors that may come out. Sometimes they may be like hypervigilant. And so you may see, you know, aggression acting out um, with children. It's they may not be paying attention. Uh, it's hard for them to remember, to recall, to listen, to pay attention in class. Um, you may also start to see even like um, the like writing can be difficult, expressing yourself can be difficult. Um, And you may also see, you may also see the other side. So just before I get to the other side, I also just want to say like, that can look like oppositional defiance uh, uh, or just uh, defiance in itself. So we're starting to just see these challenging behaviors that are difficult to manage. Um, In adults, I feel like sometimes that can just be anger management Um, or it could be, you know, challenges with with coping mechanisms. But on the other side, it's sort of that hypo where you have a lower side uh, of your expression or, or your regulation. So sometimes the behaviors may be that you're withdrawing um, or that you have anxiety or depression. So a lot of times, I would say, I think that this is a fair statement, a lot of times depression, anxiety, uh, behavior disorders, uh, personality disorders can stem from those traumatic life experiences that have actually altered the way our brain functions and works. So it goes back again, I go back to that statement, what might seem like a a bad person or um, an angry person, it may be a hurting individual, it may be someone who actually has uh, changes in their brain and their way of seeing and coping with the world to hear and to, you know, it, it removes the label, that bad yeah. label that you, you yeah. talked about. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, and, just so, and if so I can great. just say the reason why that's so important, because <laughs> I mean, you like the acknowledgement of that is so important, but I think why it's even more important is to understand what we then need to help create that resilience to help us move through that trauma. There's very specific trauma interventions or strategies that can be done that are usually using the body first through our senses. Um, I said earlier, it's our body that remembers. It's not necessarily our cognitive fact, um, factual brain that remembers things. And so we want to heal through the body first. And so creative interventions are moving our body, dancing, singing, expressing ourselves, um, yoga, meditation, things that have less to do with us having to think about what we're doing, but more just be in that moment of doing. And that's when we can start to see shifts in our body and in ourselves. And when we can start to create space for more awareness of what could possibly be going on or what could be triggering us into a state of fight, flight, or fright, or a state of anger or sadness. Um, So it starts to create space for awareness and acknowledgement so that we can then start to be, to shift the way we do things or see things and create more hope and resilience. 
your your knowledge and the work that you're doing, I think, is really beautiful. The wisdom that you're sharing. Um, I wish I knew about you when I was eight, and then again when I was fifteen, and then again when I was twenty-one, and then in, in nursing school. Yeah. So. I just think that this is really beautiful in all aspects, what you're doing, you know, in your personal life, it sounds like professionally um, and, and through the organization that you have. So thank you. thank you so much for all of it and for sharing it all with me and us, whoever is listening out there. Um, and yeah, I look forward to really following your journey. Thank you. And Paula, you thank, are welcome. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for sharing all of it. Oh, thank you for taking the time. Today. You are most welcome. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I just, yeah, I'm just so grateful for the work that thank you're doing. You. Can yeah. I share one? So I'll can I share one more thing? There's just Absolutely. one more thing because your your whole um thing with the with this podcast or the name is Rise Resilient. And I feel like that just that title really moves me. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, to whoever's listening, and even just to myself, I think this reflection was important is that sometimes we have this idea that resilience has to mean overcoming a big challenge or powering through adversity, which, yes, there's resilience in that. And sometimes resilience is simply waking up in the morning, or staying in bed to rest you know, having a bath to soothe the sadness or releasing the tears or getting a decaf latte to bring <laughs> some light to your, your day. So I think sharing our rainbow of emotions, being true to who we are and how we feel and honoring where we are with grace. Um, you know, I believe this is resilience. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me let me share that last piece. I'm glad that it resonates. I think it's exactly that that idea of resilience. We always it we you know we kind of put it on a Mm -hmm. pedestal and think it's you know only certain people Mm -hmm. achieve it, but it's in those day to day -day. things. So thank you for sharing. You are awesome, Agnes. You as well. I am trauma, and you are a survivor.